This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. We're going to uh, talk today about decisions that we make. They made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. They made a decision to be water baptized. We're going to talk about decisions that we make. But before we get into that, can you believe that it's the year 2020? I mean, I think about this. I was like, I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid, you know, 2020 just seemed so, 2000 seemed like it was fantastically in the future, you know? It's not that I'm that old, okay? Just in case you're like trying to do math here. But it just, it just, it blows my mind. I thought, you know, by the year 2020, for sure, you know, we will be teleporting to work or something, you know? By the year 2020, you know, we would have colonized Mars. By the year 2020, we wouldn't have to do housework anymore because we'd have a robot like, like the Jetsons, you know? Rosie, I think is what her, what her name was. Remember Rosie? She was, she'd go around cleaning the house and all that. Wouldn't that be awesome to have one of those? I mean, there's... Whatever that little vacuum cleaner runs around, that's, that's nothing compared to Rosie, you know. <laughs> Anyways, um, it just it blows me away where, you know, that it's the year 2020. And yet, these futurists, back when I was young, you know, all these ideas that would fill our mind really are not happening. Well, that's, uh, that's one area, but actually... To be honest with you, I thought that I would be further along by the year 2020. I thought by the year 2020, certain things, I would have figured them out already. I would be a little more organized, a little bit more disciplined, a little bit less selfish. I thought by the year 2020, this whole husband-father thing, I would have gotten figured out. I've been married 33 years, and I, you know, I, I should be a pro by now, right? <laughs> And just, she's sitting here, so I'm going to be careful what I say. But, uh, but too often, I'm an amateur at this. I thought by the year 2020, I would have certain things like pride and lust and greed, and those things would just be so 1999, right? <laughs> Not 2020. <clears throat> and maybe you're with me on that. Maybe you assess your life right now and you say, I thought that by 2020, my life would have been completely different than what I thought. So here, let me, here, I'm going to put up a, a, a sentence here. How would you finish this sentence? I thought by now, blank. This week I was thinking about it and I kind of put together a few, a few thoughts of what I've heard in the last year that if somebody, if I had asked this question, and they, so many people actually said it this way, I thought by now, and they would tell me what they thought. Here's a few that, that people said. I thought by now I would have, I would have figured out my teenager. <laughs> Good luck on that one. Um, <laughs> I thought by now my marriage wouldn't be so much work. I thought by now I would be out of debt and have money in the bank. I thought by now I would have had a six-pack, and that's not the beer, that's the, you know, that's... <laughs> The abs, right? Um, it's a little more serious. I thought by now I would have gotten sober. I thought by now porn would have been something of the past. I thought by now I would have had a successful career. I thought by now I wouldn't feel so angry and disappointed and betrayed. 
I thought by now it would be back to a size six. <laughs> What's a size six, by the way? I don't even know what a size six is. is that, that's women's sizes. Okay, and that's why I don't know what it is. <laughs> I thought by now it would be happy. Many people would fill that, finish that sentence that way. And so if you're having those I thought by now kind of feelings since it is 2020, there's a few questions we should ask ourselves, right? The first question is, how did I get here? How did I get here? Like if, if, if I thought by now I should be somewhere else, how did I get where I'm at right now? And we have to be careful how we answer. We have to pay attention how we answer because oftentimes the way we answer this question right here is that we begin to blame somebody else. If, it, if my parents wouldn't have just done this, if my spouse would have just done that, if God would have somehow just come in and changed my circumstances, then I would be where I want to be. We have to be careful with how we answer that question. How did I get here? Second question I think is important is, how can I get where I want to be? So how did I get where I'm at? Maybe I don't want to be here. And how can I go and get to the place that I want to be? And you know, I, I know that I'm, it sounds like this is just a very general, basic question, but the truth is, I think so many of us so many of us should ask ourselves those questions. Because life in many ways have been, has been disappointing in some, in some areas of our life. Here's the deal about those two questions. They're very important questions. Is that the answer to both of them is the same answer. It's one decision at a time. One decision at a time gets us, is how we got where we are. And one decision at a time is going to get us to the place that we want to be. One decision at a time. Someone put it this way. Life is a sum of all of your decisions. We know that's true, isn't it? That there are tens of thousands of decisions that we make throughout life. And the, the accumulation of those decisions is actually the life that we have today. I, like, I have on my iPad here a, a book that I've been reading I've been reading it for a long time, actually, because I just read like two or three minutes of it each day, or about every other day, something like that. It works out to about every other day, probably. It's by a guy named James Clear. It's called Atomic Habits. <clears throat> he says, if you want to predict where you'll end up in life, all you have to do is follow the curve of tiny gains or tiny losses, and you will see how daily choices will compound to determine who you will become 10 or 20 years down the line. Nature, and the Bible calls this the law of sowing and reaping. This is what Galatians 6, 7 says. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So as we start talking about decisions, here's what I would like you to think this way. Just for, indulge me for this next 25 minutes or so, or 20 minutes. I'd like you to think of every decision you make as a seed that you're planting into the ground. It's a seed we're putting in the ground. And so if you think that way, if you plant seeds of discord, then what's going to happen? You're going to reap a harvest of what? Discord. If you plant seeds of forgiveness and peace, what will happen? 
You'll reap a harvest of peace and forgiveness. See, the law of sowing and reaping, it can work for you or it can work against you. One decision at a time can work for you or it can work against you, right? It was one decision at a time is how a marriage fails. It's also one decision at a time how a marriage can be recovered. One decision at a time is how we get out of shape. Like you're driving down First Avenue and, you know, you like Burger King, but you're driving down First Avenue and you're like, I shouldn't, but you just still pull in there. You say to yourself, this is what we say to ourselves, it's just going to be one. I won't even get the double Whopper. I'll just get the, I'll get the Whopper Junior. Cheat with, and because it's a Junior, it's going to put some cheese on it too, you know. It's just a Whopper. That's all. It's just one. But one decision at a time is how we get out of shape. It's also one decision at a time how we get healthy again. It's one decision at a time how we get into debt. Has this ever happened to you? You know, this doesn't happen to us anymore, thankfully, because we, because of Christy, <laughs> she's here. Um, but but uh, like like you get you get your credit card bill and you look at the the, the balance and you're like. Nah, that can't be right. That's, whoa, no, no. We got somebody, somebody charged something on our card. That's what we think, right? Like they bought a TV with our card or they bought a, a car with our car, whatever, you know. That you look at the statement, you're like, you can't believe it. But then you're like, you start flipping through and you start realizing, oh, yeah, that was me. That was me. But there's like hundreds of them. And you realize, oh, yeah, it just all accumulated into that balance, it was one little decision at a time that created the big balance on that, on that credit card bill. It's also one decision at a time is going to get us out of debt. So the question for us to consider as we're thinking about one decision at a time is what seeds are we planting? What decisions are we making today for a better future? Or what decision are we making today that lead us into a future that we're not really excited about? We're going to look at John chapter 1 this morning and... Um, the decisions, as we talk about decisions, decisions we make have this amazing potential of really impacting our lives, right? And so I encourage you to start thinking about seeds that you're planting, how you're planting. But here's the really cool thing about decisions that we make. They also have the potential of, and, and positive or negative, because the law of soul and ruby goes both directions, they also have the potential of changing the world around you as well and the people around you. It's one decision at a time is how Jesus actually changed the world for the good. One person saying yes to Jesus and then saying, I'm going to be baptized in water. That one person then goes on and, and starts speaking to somebody else. And before long, their entire family knows Jesus Christ. It's one decision at a time. John, we're going to look at John chapter 1. John picks up in the life of Jesus when he's already 30 years old. The, the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They actually start at the birth of Christ. John picks up when Jesus is already beginning his ministry. And this is what it says in verse 35. <clears throat> the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. So the John that we're talking about. So John, the gospel writer, is the apostle, right? And he is talking about another John. This John that's referenced here in verse 35 is not John who wrote the, the gospel, it's another John. John who? John the Baptist. Very good. You, you guys know. That's good. It's an easy question, but you guys know. I'm glad. 
All right? So, so verse 3 says, As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. So get a mental picture of this. John is with his disciples, and Jesus is walking by. And John says, Look, there he is. You see him walking? That's the Messiah. That's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples, so John has only two disciples, I guess, at this point. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. So no doubt John the Baptist has been talking about Jesus for some time. He's talking about the, the coming of the Messiah for some time. And later on, you'll find in the Gospel of John that John is questioned. John the Baptist is questioned. Hey, aren't you, aren't you upset that your disciples are now following Jesus? Does that bother you? And this is how John responds. He must increase and I must decrease. Absolutely not, I'm not upset. He must become greater, I must become less. That was John's controlling decision in life. It was a decision he made to say that God must increase, Jesus, the Messiah must increase, I must decrease. More of Jesus, less of me. Imagine if you and I started filtering all of our decisions through that filter. He must increase, I must decrease. More of Jesus, less of me. If we started making our decisions based on more of Jesus, less of me. More of Jesus, less of me. See, that's hard for us because the truth is most of us make, make our decisions basically like this. What, what's in it for me? <laughs> How can I be seen? How can I get more? But imagine if we started making decisions based on this, this idea that John presents, more of Jesus, less of me. When your controlling decision is more of Jesus, less of you, all kinds of things happen and begins to impact all of your decisions. Humility will come before pride. It's a decision to give instead of, instead of take. It's a decision to build up rather than tear down. It's a decision to give grace rather than to, you know, get even. It's a decision basically to release your frustrations of God instead of ranting on Facebook. We need that today, Right? People who are angry and frustrated because it, it might be legitimate. But as followers of Christ and if we, as those of us who say, Jesus, you're everything to me, more of you, less of me, maybe what we need to do is instead of rant on Facebook, is just release it to God. Say, God, it's yours. It's a decision to say yes when everything inside of you wants to say no. It's also a decision to say no when, when you want to give in and say Yes. More of Jesus, less of me. More of Jesus, less of me. This is how John lived his life. And so it's not surprised that when Jesus started walking by, John's followers decided to follow Jesus. Verse 38 says, Jesus looked around and saw them following. <laughs> I, you know, I have, when I read the scriptures, I have this, I, I, like I try to imagine it, like in my head, try to... I'm better at visuals, you know? And so I just see Jesus walking. He's just kind of walking. He's like, whoa, what's, what, what, do, you, what do you want? <laughs> Why are you following me? Right? Have you ever been like, feel like you're being stalked? This is what it sounds, this is what this, I think is happening right here is that John's disciples are now stalking Jesus. I don't know, you, okay, my, 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 I have this creative imagination. But anyways, since Jesus looked around and saw them falling, he says, what do you want, he asked them. 
Because they're following him. They're, they're following, but they're not actually followers yet. They're curious. They want to know, okay, he's the Messiah. What, what, what's he up to? Where's he going? What's he doing? Right? She says, what do you want? And Jesus turns around. I mean, another translation would say, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And I think that's a good question for us to ask ourselves. It's a good question to consider, you know, as you're thinking through decisions in life. So what are you looking for? I think too often, the current takes us wherever. And we're like, how did, and then we get there to wherever it takes us and we're like, how did I get here? And maybe we need to hear that question from Jesus. What do you want? What are you looking for? It's a good question to consider. And it's tricky though, because when you ask somebody, what do you want? Like if you ask my grandson sitting there, what do you want? He's probably going to say a candy of sorts or something like that, right? Because oftentimes what we want is what we want now. But like if you want to get in shape, if you want to get fit, you know, what you want now really is a slice of pizza and to sleep in, right? But that's not going to get you where you want to go. So sometimes the decisions we make are about what we want later, right? I like in Atomic Habits, James Clear says this, as a general rule, the more immediate pleasure you get from an action... <laughs> the more strong you should question whether it aligns with your long-term goals. <laughs> I, didn't really, I didn't like this when I read it. I'm like, wait a minute, I want immediate pleasure. <laughs> you know, but, but it's true. Too many of us live our lives basically getting pleasure now. And then 20 years from now, ask ourselves, how did I get here? Why am I here? So Jesus asked those who are following, what do you want? What are you looking for? And they replied, Rabbi, <clears throat> which means teacher, where are you staying? So they kind of want to hang out with Jesus. Verse 39 says, come and see, he said. So the very first words of Jesus in the Gospel of John are these two phrases. What do you want or what are you looking for? And come and see. What do you want? What are you looking for? Come and see, right? Now, there might be some of you here this morning. that you came. Maybe you came because you were invited to a water baptism. Maybe you've never experienced a water baptism before. There might be some of you here this morning that you, you just kind of walked into Life Church. Maybe somebody else invited you for some other reason, but you're here and you see a lot of strange things, like water baptism. That's kind of crazy. And then we have like a, a live band with a light show, and you're like, whoa, that's kind of, that's not church. That's weird. And you might wonder, you might have a lot of questions about what's going on around here. And I think that these questions that Jesus asked are, are very, very important for us. What are you looking for? What do you want? What's missing in your life? And I think Jesus would say, well, why don't you come and see? All right, verse 39 goes on. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went, in, went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John, had, John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Now, I'm sure Peter had some questions. You notice that Andrew was a disciple of John, and now he becomes a disciple of Jesus. 
But you don't hear anything about Peter, but Andrew and Peter are brothers. And so he goes home, he says, hey, Peter, guess what? We found the Messiah. And I imagine that Peter, this is, this, if I was Peter, and I'm Andrew's brother, and I've got my religious brother, younger brother, who's just following all these, all these prophets everywhere, you know? I'd be like, yeah, 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 right. Weren't you following John just last week, and now you're following this, I don't know, this Jesus guy? And so... Andrew really doesn't have all the answers. So it simply says in verse 42, then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Now, Andrew doesn't show up a whole lot in scripture, but he's always doing this. Last week, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000 and how there was this little boy who had a little lunch, five loaves and two fishes, and they weren't gigantic loaves, they were small loaves. Five loaves and two fishes, and five, 5,000 actually was probably more like 12,000 or 15,000 people are fed. You know who brought this little boy with a sack lunch to Jesus? Andrew. And now Andrew's bringing Peter to Jesus. It's amazing what one decision at a time can do. There's a, there is a church in Rome named after Peter today. Who would have thought back when Andrew was saying, hey, we found the Messiah... Looking intently, this is what happens next. Peter and Jesus meet. He says, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. So John the Baptist makes a decision to point to Jesus, point Andrew to Jesus. Andrew decides, makes a decision to start following Jesus. Andrew then makes another decision to tell his brother about Jesus, and this is the way we change the world, one decision at a time. One choice at a time. One righteous decision at a time. This is what we want to do as a church. One decision at a time that our lives would would represent the mission of God here on this earth. That every decision we make is pushing people towards Jesus Christ. More of him, less of me. More of him, less of me. And so in light of that, I want to ask you specifically to make some decisions this morning. Four specific decisions I'm going to ask you to make. And these are going to, be, they're going to seem like insignificant, small decisions. That's what it's going to seem like. But the power of, you know, like a thousand people here at Life Church, the power of all of us making these small decisions, it's exponential. We could change the world when we all start making these particular decisions. First decision is this, is will you decide to spend 1% of your time connecting with Jesus? When I wrote this, I thought it was a good idea. (laughs) But then I realized, I'm going to say 1% of your time, and they're going to be like, how do I figure out 1% of my time? I don't even know what 1% of my time looks like, you know? So I started doing math because that's how I do. I, I think mathematically sometimes. And there's 10,080 minutes in a week. And then I started doing the math, and I did, did it in first service, and I looked at people's faces like, okay, <laughs> how, how do I figure out 1% of 10,080? That's an easy thing to do, but it's just so you're not, your brain is not exploding trying to do math right now, it's just a fraction over 100 minutes. So what if we all collectively decide to spend 100 minutes a week 
connecting to Jesus. Now, for some of you, when I say that, you're like, that's less than two hours. That's no problem at all. Well, then do it. For others of you, you're like, no, that's less than two. That's almost two hours. I can't do that. That's, does church count? Because I'm about 90 minutes here at Life Church. Does that work? <laughs> you probably think that way, right? Church doesn't count. Parking lot. I'm, I guarantee you, you're not connecting to Jesus in the parking lot. In fact, some of you drove to church today, and you are definitely not connecting to Jesus in the parking lot. You were just like having an argument with your wife, and the kids were, you know, not cooperating and all that. You weren't connecting with Jesus. So parking lot doesn't count. Church doesn't count. You know, we, we have life groups here at Life Church. We have classes, you know, classes, Bible classes that we do here at Life Church. That's a way that you can connect. So I would encourage you, if you're not connected in a life group, you're not connected in some kind of study group, you should do that. You should just jump in and start, and start meeting other people and connecting with Jesus through that. Also, I would encourage you to download the YouVersion Bible app. That's, it's so, it's convenient. I mean, I don't necessarily like that it's con- that convenient, but, but I think if you're not doing it at all, might as well do that, right? Just download the YouVersion Bible app, and it re- it'll remind you daily to read. Take just 10 minutes out of your day. 10 minutes is nothing. Take 10 minutes out of your day and read the scriptures. You'll even, you, can, you can even sign up for certain you know, reading plans, and, and it'll just systematically take you through. You can even decide to do things in, in small bits. Like they have four-week plans, six-week plans. They have 12-week plans where they're topical around a certain subject, and you just read those scriptures every single day with some devotional stuff alongside it. That's a way that you can connect with Jesus. Another thing I would encourage you to do is to, to connect with Jesus is maybe take 10 minutes or more to, to seek God, to pray, to get on your knees and basically say, Jesus, today I'm going to have, maybe you have challenges that day. Today I'm going to have some really significant challenges in my life. Decisions I have to make. Will you help me? Will you guide me to make each decision one decision at a time will your Holy Spirit lead me to make those decisions I just broke down basically 200 plus minutes of your week with just those three items it's not too hard and so will you will you decide to spend 1% of your time connecting with Jesus second second decision I want to encourage you to do is decide to invite one person to church with you this year This is a good place to start. As a church, I want us to do whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus. This is exactly what Andrew did. He brought, he he didn't have all the answers. I mean, he meets Jesus. He's just become a new follower of Jesus. He doesn't know everything about Jesus. He's, you know, he's not sure about Jesus. He's curious. He's learning. Peter had questions. He didn't have all the answers. So what does he say? Hey, come, let's come meet him. Come and see. Let's go see Jesus. That's what happens, and this is how we do it as well. You might be coming to Life Church, and God has changed your life, and he's transformed your heart. Things are just changing all over, all around you. And someone might come up to you and ask you a very deep, deep question about the Bible or a deep question about Jesus, and you really can't answer it. You don't have to necessarily know all the answers. You could just simply say, I don't know, but come and see. Or maybe there's somebody that you know, somebody you care about, somebody that you love, and you want to really see their life change, and, and, but you're not exactly sure how to communicate all that, you can say, hey, listen, let me tell you how my life changed. 
And I don't exactly know all the answers to that, but why don't you come with me to church? Maybe God can do the same thing in your life. Statistically, 75% of people who get invited to church by someone they know will come. Isn't that great? Only 25% of you will get rejected. The other, no, I'm just kidding. That is not the way to encourage you to invite people to church. But 75% of them will come if you invite them. Just imagine what would happen. Imagine what would happen if, if we took that to heart and we decided to invite one person to church this year believing that God's going to transform their life. It's amazing. Third decision I'd encourage you to make is to decide to become more generous this year than you were last year. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point. We just finished a stewardship series, so I don't want to go down that path, and I don't want you to think, oh, man, they're going to talk about giving again, you know? Just suffice it to say that um, I kind of went through the, the books, the math a little bit, and discovered that about one in four at Life Church actually tithe. So, and I'm not trying to beat anybody up. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just making the, the fact of what it is, right? What if, what if we just took this seriously and decided to change that fraction from one-fourth to one-third? What would happen exponentially here at Life Church? There's so many things that we fund around the world. There's so many missions projects. You saw El Salvador. There's stuff that we're doing here in our own community. If, if just a small fraction of you say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take that seriously. I'm going to be more generous this year than I was last year. We could change the world. The last decision I want you to consider, and this is not necessarily for those of you that are life churchers, but for those of you that maybe are visiting for the very first time, or maybe you've been attending life church on a regular basis, but you, uh, you uh, are kind of following Jesus at afar. You, you're not really in a relationship with Christ. You haven't decided to order your life around the teachings of Jesus necessarily. You just like what he says. You enjoy the atmosphere here, but you're not really haven't really committed yourself to him, and that is, will you decide, will you make a decision to follow Jesus today? Will you make a decision, say, Jesus, I want to fall. I don't know, I don't have all the answers, Lord, and I'm not exactly sure where we're going, but I want to follow you. I was reading this week, I... I'd never heard of this, actually. Have you ever heard of decision fatigue? Anybody ever heard of decision fatigue? I'm sure some of you have. I'd never heard of decision fatigue. Evidently, evidently in our culture these days, we're, we're making so many decisions that it is causing a lot of stress and anxiety in people's lives, right? And in the article, it talked about how 40 years ago, what Decisions people, a person was making 40 years ago in a week, we now make in just a work day. And so there's this thing called decision fatigue. And I get that. We're all making all kinds of decisions all the time, right? But what if there was this one big decision that we made that could basically help us answer or at least help us decide all the other small, many of the other small decisions that we need to make. Like, like some of you might be here right now, you're trying to decide who you're going to date. 
or you're trying to decide who you're going to marry, or you're, you're trying to decide how are you going to handle your marriage, or how are you going to handle your kids. You're trying to decide what career to follow. You're trying to decide maybe the bigger questions like life, you know, my passions, my destiny, my purpose in life. Those are all decisions that we're navigating. Some of you are trying to figure out what to watch on Netflix. That's, that's huge. There's a lot of choices on Netflix, right? But what if, what if, there's this one decision that you make that would help you answer many of the other decisions. And I suggest to you that that's the decision to make it, that's the decision to start following Jesus Christ. It'll help you answer the questions of who should I date? Who should I marry? How am I gonna, how am I gonna, how am I gonna treat my wife? How am I gonna treat my kids? What if you were to make that decision this morning? Amen. Let's all stand. This decision to follow Jesus is a foundational decision. It's a decision that once you make, it's a decision I made when I was 18 years old. And it, it turned my life around. I, don't, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if I hadn't at 18 made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are a lot older than 18, and some of you are maybe, you know, later in life, and a lot of life has happened to you. It's not too late to decide to follow Jesus. So what I want to do this morning is I want to pray. Josh is going to lead us in a song of worship, but I want to pray for, for us. And as I'm praying, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you simply to say, Jesus, I don't know where this is going, but Jesus, I want to become a follower of you. I want you to come into my life. I surrender my life to you, if that's you this morning. If you've never given your life to Christ, I would encourage you to do that this morning. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful to you, God, for who you are and how you change our lives. Father, there's decisions that we make in life, all kinds of small decisions that we make. But, Father, there's this one big decision that we want to make this morning collectively. There are individuals in this room who have never made this decision to follow you, Jesus. And so today as a collective, Father, we we simply say out loud, God, I surrender my life to you. I want to become a follower of you, Jesus. I don't know where this is going to lead. I don't know where this is going. But, Father, I just want to surrender my life and become a follower of Jesus Christ. Will you take my life? Will you transform my life? The starting decision today for me, for the future that I want to see, is Jesus, I give you my heart and soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.